Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. I am Minister Adrian L. Robinson II, a.k.a. Minister Rob or Rev. Rob, and welcome to Deeper in the Word, where we talk about the real of Scripture with people who actually know and understand it. So that you can come away with a better understanding of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written or something that was written so long ago to what you're going through right now. Friends, today I am thrilled to have as our special guest a very dear friend of mine, an exceptional speaker, motivationally as well as biblically, uh, and coincidentally he is my pastor. My friends, welcome to the show, Dr. Daryl Hall. Thanks for joining the show, Doc. What's up? What's up, Rev Rob? How you doing, man? I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. We are so extremely happy to have you here today. Uh, we're going to be talking today from the topic of um, multi-generational preaching. Now, right. so, some of y'all hearing that right now, like, uh, what? Now, it's it's not as boring as you think. It's actually a very fascinating topic. And we're going to tie it into the Bible and how why it's important to you as a member of the kingdom. So, now, Doc, may, may I call you Doc, Doc? Please, man, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> now, Doc, you have, in my opinion a very unique and distinct calling and specialization toward kingdom preaching and teaching. Now, I'm not saying you invented it, but I am saying that you are on the cusp of pioneering this thing. So please explain in layman's terms to the call, to the audience the basis for what your doctoral dissertation was about. And then for those people that just said, huh, please explain what a dissertation is. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, well, man, first off, man, I appreciate so much uh, you having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I understand that uh, this is your first episode, man, so I wish you well. And uh, and I wish God's favor on everything we, we do, man. We appreciate I, I really that, brother. relationship. Amen. Um, good question, man. I'm excited to to kind of be at the table, so to speak, on this whole thing about intergenerational, multigenerational communication, uh, specifically uh, preaching, which, I, which is a specific type of a uh, verbal communication. Mm -hmm. So yeah, man, uh, my dissertation was about what basically does it take to connect with every generation as you communicate, um, particularly to a group that is, that is made up of multiple generations at once. And what does that look like? What does it require scientific scientifically? Um, from the communicator to make sure that each generational group leaves feeling like they, they, they received a message. Um, I think it's important because when we consider demographics that make up any group, we look at the obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Racial demographics. Right. We look at gender demographics. We look at educational demographics, meaning what's the highest level of education for the people in the room. We look at socioeconomic demographics, meaning what do they make? What's their median household income or what have you? Um, but I think one of the demographics we miss, which is just as important, is generational. Meaning what era were they born in and during what time in history did they come of age? Yeah. Uh, and so my argument is whatever era you were born in and whatever time in history you came of age, it shapes the way you receive communication. And it's something that is static to that group, despite how old it becomes, meaning 
If you were born between 1965 and 1979, you are Generation X. You came of age in the 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. And, and because of certain sociological experiences in the 80s and 90s, Generation X has a certain lens through which it perceives and receives messaging. Right. So no matter how old Generation X becomes, based on certain things that happened in its formative years, its coming of age, so to speak, um, it will receive communication primarily through a, a specific way. And what is that way? So looking at sociological trends that help dictate the way a generation sees the world is something that a communicator needs to know if they're going to connect with that generation. Now, to complicate things, if you're speaking to a room full of people, not all of them are Generation X. Right. So how do you connect with the Xers in the room and the Boomers in the room and the Millennials in the room without leaving anybody out uh, is my whole perspective. And, uh, and, and you know, that's possible if we're willing to see generations as people groups. Uh, you know, we know ethnic people groups, right? right. Um, and our groups, congregations for a church or crowds that we speak to are filled with the people groups that we speak to. It's also empty of the people groups we don't speak to. Mm. So if I only speak English, I shouldn't expect that somebody who only speaks Spanish will be present in a group that I routinely speak to. The same is true generationally. If I only speak millennial, I shouldn't expect boomers to be a part of the group. So what does it mean for a communicator to be able to speak each generational language in such a way that people in that age group and bracket can connect? So that's the that's the the, the, the overarching whole uh, approach to my dissertation. And a dissertation is simply a formal academic writing that sets forth the uh, theoretical, historical background and and foundation of a concept it also explains how that concept is going to be tested or experimented upon it also explains the results that came out of that test or experiment and the implications of it meaning what did i learn from the experiment i did how does that apply okay so, so it's just a, it's formal academic writing in so, way. so this was a heavy undertaking that involved a lot of research a lot of crunching of numbers, a lot of statistical comparisons. And essentially what you're saying here is that the multi-generational preacher or teacher becomes the type, the best type, the most effective type is the one who is able to speak the language of the diff- different generations that are making up the group they're talking to. So, and that's a, a lot of times it's interesting because we see a disconnect in our current churches with some of the senior saints, some of the older folks and the youth and whether or not it's an unwillingness for one side to understand the other or just an outright um, sensibility of, you know, I don't get it. um, Therein lies the need to bring together the congregation because you're able to speak to everybody in their language at the same time. So it's interesting because um, I was privileged to actually um, be a part of that study. And I know for a fact that, you know, some well um, well esteemed, very high credentialed people in academia uh, read your dissertation and happened to think it was one of the most well researched 
and um, uh, a well-founded dissertations that they had ever read. And me personally, I thought it was one of the most eye-opening uh, studies ever conducted because what we're seeing here is that there is a way for someone who's been preaching for 50 years and suddenly sees a loss of youth membership to flip it to yeah. where now he can appeal to them and started bringing them back into the into the church. Yeah, uh, yeah that's the hope. <laughs> so explain kind of what, because I, I know that you implemented a little bit of this or you experimented with this with your own body um, right. that you pastor. Kind of explain what the, what the results of that was and what you found. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's um that, that's a good point. And that's my hope, man. My hope is to encourage some older communicators that their age is not the reason they're not connecting. Um, I think we make a mistake, particularly in churches where we just consider it them old folks or these young people. Yeah. And these labels of old and young are too generic in the world we live in. Uh, sociology has done a great scientific work that the church should listen to meaning sociology helps us to study people groups and understand no longer can we just say somebody's old or young we need to accurately place them in their generational label and understand what insight that gives us into the type of person they are um and and i think listening to that will help us to better connect with people um through their generational lens and so, yeah, man, it's not just for the older communicators to learn the language of the younger. It's vice versa, too. Absolutely. For the younger to become sensitive to the needs of the older and be willing to articulate thoughts and engage in conversations appealing to the way older people prefer to receive communication. So it's both and. Particularly for me, man, you know, I'm a younger preacher. I'm, I'm a millennial. I was born in 86. And in the congregation I pastor, not everybody is a millennial. You know, most of the congregation is older than me. Right. So I pastor mainly Generation X and Boomers. And so that means I can't come to the pulpit with millennial talk. <laughs> you know, I can't bring my native tongue with me to communication. Right. Because I'm going to offend and alienate most of my congregation. I have to adjust and adapt in a way that can connect with them without losing who I am. And so, yeah, man, it was one of those things where I was kind of experimenting on my congregation without knowing it, even before even before my dissertation, man, just trying out the theory. And one of the things I would look for is who after service would say the message connected with them mm. and why. Okay. Right? And being, being able to, you know, have people of different age ranges say the same thing, to come away from the same message saying you connected with them, I don't think that's uh, something I can take for granted. And so studying that, tinkering with the way I explain certain concepts, uh, intentionally trying different rhetorical devices from week to week to see if it might increase connectivity or decrease connectivity. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I found, man, is that it is possible if you try hard to communicate one thought in multiple ways such that multiple people get it at once. Nobody has to leave saying they were confused. Right. Everybody can leave saying they understood, even if they understood for different reasons. That makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I man, I found that it's possible. I did find that it takes, it, it's got to be intentional. You can't stumble into connecting with multiple generations. Mm. Just like you can't stumble into 
being racially uh, conscious, right. you know, different races. You have to try to understand uh, different races in order to connect with them. The same is true generations. That makes sense. Well, that, that it was a really interesting study, and I know that from my personal experience, um, many people I spoke to were very fascinated by it and by your ability specifically to make that connection. Because again, um, that's not something that is readily being done. And that's what we want to talk about next. Uh, we'll be right back. Cool. All right, and welcome back, my friends, to Deeper in the Word. I'm Reverend Adrian Robinson. We are here with Dr. Daryl Hall. We are talking about multi-generational and intergenerational preaching. You spoke on something earlier before the break that I wanted to go back to. You spoke on your the fact of your age and the fact that most of your congregation is older than you. As you have conducted this study and come up with these um, uh, results and these conclusions that, again, I've, as I stressed before, many in academia have found uh, very well-researched and are very impressed with, what do you think is your main obstacle or main challenge, I should say, in trying to bring the research that you have discovered and found that is extremely helpful to that clergy community who may not be so open to a young man telling them what they feel they already know. In other words, I mean, I've been to church conventions where someone be preaching for 40 years and they have this sensibility of, you can't tell me nothing. You know, I, I kind of, I, I, they, they, maybe they feel they know it all, or maybe they feel they know just enough. But that sensibility almost creates a barrier or a fence that you have to climb over in order to first, first time over in order to present your, um, your information so that you can get them to understand it and maybe see it from a different perspective. What kind of challenge do you think that presents to you? And do you think that is something that you will encounter? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think there are multiple obstacles, man, to be honest, uh, with, with helping, uh, communicators of any age be willing to at least listen to, uh, what I have to say. I think the first one is lethargy, mm. meaning just laziness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. When you've done something, even if you haven't done it at the best of your abilities, when you've done it, though, for a significant amount of time, sometimes you can mistake longevity for effectiveness. Just because you've been doing it a long time don't mean that you've been doing it well for a long time. Mm -hmm. But when you become... Ain't that the truth. When you become okay with the current results you're getting, lethargy, laziness can mm, set in. That's good. Um, and particularly when it comes to communicating and speaking, I don't know if we if we tinker enough, if we question enough some of the, uh, the, 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 the things we've learned about communicating. We just kind of mimic. We what? just kind of emulate. Well, give me, we see give me an example. Give me an example of what you mean. Um, so, particularly in preaching, Okay. Um, despite the age of the preacher, when you're a younger preacher, what you do is you find some older preachers that you like and you replicate things you 
you see them do, even if you don't know why they do. Right. To the extent that you may mimic their intonation. You're right. trying to make your voice sound like theirs. You may mimic their, their, the way they outline a message without asking why. Yeah. You may mimic their theology without even knowing where they fall on the theological spectrum. So you just kind of find who you think is good, who you think is charismatic, who you think kind of is similar to your style, and then you just do what you see them do without ever asking why they do it and without ever wondering if they even know why they do it. Hmm. It's one of those things where you can just pick up the tradition of an art form without learning the science behind it. I think you got to learn the science behind something you do before you can appreciate the art of it. You got to question the science, learn the science, study the science, become a student of it. And that comes, there's a science to preaching, there's a science to communication. And so before I can just find the artist and their unique expression, I got to become a student of the art form to be able to critique even why people I look up to do what they do. Right. And sometimes that's a lot of work. You can just be lazy and you can just replicate. You see the same thing in hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. There's a science to poetry, a science to making music. But what you find is, particularly in this generation of mumble rapping, where a lot of people just get in, don't be cool hook, terrible lyrics, but they just won't radio they just want streams right you know it's very few students of hip-hop exactly actually trace the origins of it exactly what it means culturally um you know what its original intent was who are some of the historical uh shapers of this art form Mm -hmm. they just jump in on a dope beat and they mimic mumble rap and they just want hitter quitters you know, one hit wonders. And they, they say um, what people, they think people want to hear. Yeah, yeah, without, you know, really studying the history of it. Yeah. And then implementing a unique artistic approach to it. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the uh, obstacles. I think another obstacle is not just laziness and lethargy. Another obstacle is doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Doubt, particularly for older older communicators, doubt that they are able to learn something new and they have time wow. to implement it. Wow. I think you hear this phraseology, you know, this cliche, old dogs can't learn tricks. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I think you only become old when you choose to stop learning. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and good. so my hope is that older communicators won't just look at what I'm saying and feel like they can't do it. Like my hope is that they will appreciate the fundamentals of what I'm trying to teach and not be distracted by what they may perceive as a unique talent. Gotcha. You know, um, there are fundamentals to playing basketball. Now, LeBron James has a unique talent where he can take the fundamentals and expound upon them in ways that other people phys- physically can't. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't learn the fundamentals of playing basketball from LeBron James. True. Right? Or, or any other unique talent. True. So I'm not saying that to say, I, I'm not trying to say I'm LeBron James. What I'm saying is we all have unique talents, but there are fundamentals to what we do. And so I believe this intergenerational communication addresses the fundamentals of communication. I may have a unique talent for it, but that doesn't mean I'm not 
is not able to be reduced to fundamentals that can be taught to other people. And even though they may have a different skill set, they can also learn the fundamentals, implement, and use it effectively. So I think just trying to convince people that, hey, man, it's not just a talent thing. This is something you can learn if you want to. That's excellent. Uh, obstacle. Yeah, you're, you're teaching them a skill. And yeah. again, one of the one of the biggest obstacles to teaching them that is their obstinance toward yeah. wanting to learn it. So that exactly. is that is a critical component. Um, but for those, let's say for those pastors, those um, young ministers such as myself, who um, should take this into account if they are moving into a situation where they may encounter a multi-generational uh, body. Um, I want to know what recommendations you would give for them if they are facing this situation. We're going to cover that when we come back from the break. Cool. At Benevolent Faith Ministries, we believe a benevolent God deserves a benevolent faith. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's BenevolentFaithMinistries.org. Log on today. And we are back deeper in the word and we are talking to Dr. Daryl Hall about multi-generational, intergenerational preaching. Um, I'd left off talking about um, your suggestions, any any tips, if you will, that you would give a young pastor or old pastor, someone who is not, not even the age, like you said before, just to a preacher who is not necessarily familiar with multi-generational sermon giving, but maybe in a situation where they have to give one. What are some um, practical tips that you would give them for their first time doing that? Okay, uh, practical tips. The first thing I would say is um, don't be in your head about it. This is not something I, I want. I don't want to communicate nervousness and anxiety. Right. Um, know that you have already a native tongue that you communicate in. You already have a natural way, a rhetorical way, meaning you already have a way you try to persuade people through communication. And your way is a way. It's not the way. So your way works with some people, not all people. But don't feel like you got to be anxious as if it's something wrong with you as a communicator. Be comfortable in, in how God has shaped you and be comfortable in the way that you already approach communication. That's the mm. first thing. Okay. The second thing I would say is if you're able to get insight on whoever the group is you're going to be speaking to, do mm -hmm. that. Meaning, if somebody's invited you, ask them, who's going to be in the room? Describe the demographic to me. How many people do you anticipate? What do I need to know about these people? Meaning, try to find somebody you can ask as many questions um, as you can about this particular speaking opportunity. And keep that in mind as you communicate. Okay. Um, that's another thing. I think the third thing I would say is this. Whatever you do, do it on purpose. Mm. See, whenever we give a sermon, a speech, or a talk, it has to be going somewhere. And the speaker has to know where it's going 
and skillfully take it there. Right. I think the mistake we make, especially in church environments, is when we say, you know, we we blame what we call Holy Spirit is really a spiritual way to cover up. I was lost. I didn't know I was going to begin with. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now you teach teaching. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to always take over and always use the, the, the talk or the sermon in a way only the Holy Spirit can determine. Lord but willing. I mean, I, I don't come up to the speaking moment with an intended goal. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing. Even when I'm driving the speech and the sermon, the Holy Spirit is going to make it apply to the hearts of people in unique ways Amen. that even I didn't anticipate. Right, so right. No, the, the Holy Spirit is not an excuse to not be intentional in my communication. Amen. Amen. I need to know what my goal is. I need to know where I'm trying to get people to. And I need to think about everything I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it to get them there. Meaning, if I'm going to use humor, why am I going to use humor? Where am I going to use humor? If I'm going to use a quote, why am I using a quote? Who am I quoting? If I'm going to use an analogy, what analogy am I going to use? Why that analogy? Like, these things can't be haphazard. It's, 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 it's got to be intentional. It's got to be yeah. an effort that I'm putting in. This yeah. is the work of communicating. Yeah. Um, and that's how I would encourage them. Excellent. That... I mean, like I said, from somebody like me, that that is very sound advice. Um, uh, we're running out of time here, but I did want to get to this last point. I wanted to get your opinion on this current debate between multi-generational and intergenerational preaching, because we've kind of been hinting at that word intergenerational, but we've spent the majority of this conversation talking about multi-generational preaching. Essentially... As I understand it, and I want you to um, give me your understanding as well, the difference between the two is that one integrates the body more together and one separates them more. So what what, what are your thoughts on multi-generational versus intergenerational preaching? And do you think it makes a difference to do one over the other or one is more significant to the other? Just give me your thoughts on that as we close. All right. So, yeah, my thoughts is this. The goal should be inter. Uh, and I'll kind of explain it. Um, I'm trying to use a couple of analogies here to make, make it make sense. Okay. But before I get to trying to depict it, let me try to describe it. Multi-generational is to say there are different aspects to our group. Intergenerational is to say we are trying to do the work to mix it together mm. into one unique potion. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I think enter is easier. No, multi is easier than enter. Enter. For example, you have some churches that are that are multi-ethnic, and what they do is they have a service for urban people, a service for service for Hispanic people. They let the Romanians come and rent out the building at two p.m. and they let the Nigerians come and use the building at four p.m. Mm-hmm. And that's great, and that, I see value in that. I'm not in any way uh, uh, trying to. Th- you know, deter people from that. Sometimes right. an ethnically homogenous worship experience is better for the people. Right. Cool. But that's easier than trying to get all of those ethnicities in one room. At the same time. At the same time on a weekly basis. Yeah. And they want to be there. It yeah. takes more work. And then to be able to communicate to them all. Exactly. Yeah. Right? There's a language barrier, culture barrier. Right. I get it. But from a generational standpoint, it's not as hard. But it does require as much intentionality. 
You know, a multi-generational church is one where different generations go to. An intergenerational church is one where every generation is as valued and involved in the life of the church as another. Wow. You can have a multi-generational church, but it technically be a Generation X church. Meaning, if the pastor is Gen X, all the top leaderships are Gen X, and all of the programming is towards Gen X, mm-hmm. you may have other generations that go there, but let's be honest, it's a Gen X church. Right, right. An intergenerational church says that the programming, the communication, the staff, the leadership um, is all representative of each generation that's present. That's what it means to be inter. Um, I would say from, okay, I'm trying, that, that's me trying to describe it. Let me try to depict it. From a depiction, multi-generational is, multi-generational is, Oof, okay, I'm from the South. Let me try it this way. Okay. Multi-generational is I got eggs, grits, and sausage on a plate that I'm going to eat for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Intergenerational is I'm going to mix those eggs and grits, chop up that sausage, mix it all together, and, and eat it that way. I right. It's a country, a country picture, but I'm a country boy. Right, right. <laughs> um, um, let me say it this way. Multi-generational is... Multi-generational is Highway 78. Intergenerational is I-20. Right. Right. Right? So, all right, I live off of Highway 78 in Georgia, but this highway stretches across multiple states. Mm -hmm. It's a multi-state highway, Mm -hmm. but it's not an interstate. An interstate, like I-20, goes from east to west, just like Highway 78, but the interstate has an intentional effort to connect the states. Exactly. In an easier flow of exactly. traffic. Exactly. So you can better access each state. Exactly. So it covers the same terrain. It's just a different approach right. to make it easier to traverse back and forth between states across I-20. Um, um, a multi-generation church may have different service types at different times of day for different people in the, in the congregation. An intergenerational church is going to encourage all to be present for for however many worship experiences, but ensure that the music, the tone of the preaching, the communication of the uh, uh, announcements or what have you will connect with each person that's present on a regular basis. So that's the difference between multi and, 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 and inter. Multi-generational is they're all here. Inter is we've done the hard work to make sure intergenerationally it all combines. It coalesces. You know, multi-generation is I got some sugar, some water, and a pack of Kool-Aid. Intergenerational is I got some Kool-Aid all mixed into one picture. It all comes together to form something together that mm. each ingredient is is not on its own. The man has a way with analogies, my friends. But I will say this. In that first scenario with them grits and whatnot, you ain't had no biscuits. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> That is, you wasn't too country without the biscuits and the gravy, B. You know what? You know what? You're making my stomach growl. You're another day for me, but I might go help myself. Well, listen, we want to thank uh, Dr. Daryl Hall for joining us. This has been a really enlightening uh, episode, and we greatly appreciate you being here. Hey, come back anytime, brother. Hey, man, anytime you invite me, you know I'm here, man. Congrats to you again, Rev Rob. 
appreciate you and your audience. God bless you. Man, I appreciate you so much. And we thank y'all for joining us. Uh, make sure you subscribe so that you can check out the new episodes when they air. And we'll catch you next time. Holla.